おはようございます皆さん。メイドイットインジャパンのホストエリオットコンティです。大変ご無沙汰して申し訳ございません。あの2月28日の朝1なんですけれども、ちょっと鼻声になっていて申し訳ないです。あの何人から次のエピソードはいつなんて聞かれて<咳>早く対応できなくて本当にすみませんが、実はちゃんとした理由があるんです。あの2週間ぐらい前に友達と一緒に岐阜の山奥にスノボに行ったんですが、まあ、そこで何回もこける中であの尾骨をかなり痛めてしまいましたでこの尾骨を怪我した方ならまあ共感していただけると思うんですけれども尾骨の怪我って本当に痛いし本当に不便で僕はこれまで肋骨の骨折だったりあのかなり不便な怪我もそれなりに経験はしてるんですけどこの尾骨の怪我も、まあ、そのリストの上位にあるんですね。っていうのも座っても痛いし立っても痛いし歩いてもしゃがんでも激痛今この録音してるだけではなかなか耐えながらっていうことなんですけれども。まあ、この2週間ぐらいは整骨院だったり整形外科に行っていろいろ治療をしていて、えー、今は少しずつ少しずつ回復の兆しが見えてきているあの気がしますけれども、まあ、相当な苦痛でしたね一方で、えー、僕がかわいそうだかわいそうだっていうつもりはなくてあのこのように怪我をして彼らが不自由になった時は、まあ、こ,れこういうことは当然あんんまりなないことなんですけれどもあのこういう目に会うたびにやっぱり自分が健康な時あの何も意識しないで運動やヨガができる時は常にどれだけ感謝をすべきなのかということに気づかせてくれますよね。でトイレに行くってまあ、普段は何も考えないし覚悟なんていらないんですけれどもでもこういう時こそいや感謝の気持ちで生活していかんと、まあ、そういう気持ちですねで最近は強く痛感してますまあ実際に健康になった時は人間はどうせ、まあ、忘れるんですけどねあのー、さて今日のゲストなんですけれども今日はですねカナダのトロント州生まれ育ちの清水海さんですあれまた日本人かってみんな思われるんですけれどもあの、まあ、インタビューの中で海さんも説明してくれましたがあの本人のご両親が大阪からカナダに移住して身を固めたわけで海さんがあのカナダでバイリンガルとして育ちました国籍はカナダですねで日本語も英語も操れる甲斐さんは、えー、と大学を卒業してから大手日系企業のカナダ法人に就職して現在新規事業部で活躍をしていますがこの1年間だけは名古屋本社に勤めています一時的な滞在者っていう面でこのポッドキャストの他のゲストとは、えー、若干違いますが会社の経験と語りは Made it in Japan のテーマにおいてとても、えー、有意義だと、えー、僕が感じてポッドキャストにお呼びしたんです<笑>で会社がまあ日本企業の中で感じたこと特に苦労したことですね違和感を覚えたことは決して彼自身に限った話ではなくえー、むしろ一般的、えー、一般的ですね、えーまあ、もっと言えば普遍的なニーズを物語っているのではないかと僕は感じていますあの本人のご両親が日本人で日本語のネイティブである解散でも日本企業の中ではさまざまなハードルを乗り越えていかなければならなかったことを考えると、まあ、外国人の受け入れうん、これはですね日本語教育だけではやっぱり解決できるものではないなと、えー、気づきますよね。まあ、ということであのインタビューは英語にはなりますが多くのヒントがぎっしり詰まったインタビューですので、まあ、ぜひエンジョイしてください。で次のポッドキャストまで
あのー、あんまり間が空かないように、えー、努めます頑張っていくし、えー、そして今かなり面白い方々と、あのー、インタビューの日程調整をしているところですので今後もどうぞ、あのー、お楽しみくださいということで最後に、まあ、お礼だけ毎度毎度リスナーの皆さんに感謝です What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Made It in Japan. This is your host, Elliot Conti, and I'm currently nursing a bruised tailbone at the moment. No intention of starting off the podcast with excuses, but one of the reasons why there's been a bit of an opening since the last time I posted an episode was partially due to a snowboarding accident about two weeks ago.、Uh, that's now put me in, in various hospitals and physios over the past 10 days. And for anyone who's experienced a bruised tailbone, you know that it is not the most pleasant region to bruise.、Um, I've had my fair share of inconvenient injuries, actually. I've broken ribs,、uh, wrist, heel. But I must say that the tailbone、uh, certainly ranks near the top of that list.、Uh, sitting hurts, as you might very well imagine, as does standing, walking, <laughs> bending over, sneezing, using the toilet, sleeping. It's been a pretty uncomfortable two weeks.、Uh, but that being said, the message here is not woe is me,、uh, but rather the opposite.、Yeah, it's injuries like these that remind me to be thankful for when I am healthy,、uh, as hard as that often is to remember. But,、uh, you know, the sweet cannot be sweet without the sour, as they say. And while using the toilet pain free may not be your definition of the sweet, I can assure you that it will be when.、Uh, You can no longer do that freely, or you could just avoid snowboarding altogether. Anyway,、uh, today's guest is Mr. Kai Shimizu,、uh, a Canadian currently working in Nagoya.、Uh, Kai was born in Toronto, the son of Japanese immigrants, and was raised bilingually. So, following university, he entered the Canadian branch of a major Japanese trading company,、uh, working specifically with energy related new businesses. Uh, new business development. And he came to Nagoya last April and is here for just a year.、Uh, he explained that he plans to return home at the end of next March. Or, I'm sorry, the end of next month.、Um, being that he is neither a long term resident nor a self made man,、uh, self employed or an entrepreneur,、uh, Kai differs from some of the other guests that I've had on the podcast. Uh, however, his experience still has volumes to say about the Made It in Japan theme.、Uh, reason being that in order to、まあ、excel in this country, it is extremely beneficial to build work experience in a Japanese company、uh, for learning the language, acquiring business skills, networking, various other reasons. So, needless to say, it's very rare to find an entrepreneur or someone self employed who has actually never worked and harnessed their skills within a corporate environment. Now, Kai's journey as a young Canadian navigating the highly structured inter- inner workings of a major Japanese corporation、uh, speaks volumes about some of the unavoidable growing pains and lessons learned if one is indeed going to try to make it in Japan. So while Kai,、uh, we cannot necessarily say that he has made it, he is certainly taking、uh, one major step towards making it. And I think what he offers here in the podcast、uh, is extremely valuable for young foreigners who are looking to study here or have just started working, perhaps those who are potentially interested in coming here to work one day. His experiences are quite illuminating. And on the other hand, Uh, what Kai has to say is also extremely important, I believe, for the Japanese, conversely,、uh, who are working in a multicultural workplace or for those looking to employ or manage foreigners in the future. This episode will provide some helpful hints for improving communication and avoiding some of the unnecessary pitfalls that tend to come along with.、Um, Multiple cultures in, in a workplace. Now, this might sound quite strange for Americans or Westerners listening into the podcast. <laughs> the fact being that multiple cultures mixing or、uh, learning to cooperate in a workplace is 
essentially uh, <laughs> been going on from since time immemorial. But in Japan, it's uh, currently a hot button issue as they are now entering their phase of immigration. So uh, I hope you enjoy what Kai has to say. Uh, he's, he's very bright and I really enjoy talking with him. So once again, I apologize for taking so long to get this out, but as always, I appreciate everyone who listens in, and I hope that there's some takeaways for you in the next hour with Kai and me. In peace, enjoy. Let's begin. <laughs> All right, Kai. Thanks for thanks for doing this, man. I Thank appreciate you too. it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you came to Japan last mm. year in April. Yes. You said we were talking before we started recording. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we first met in when was that? November. It was November. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, I'd like you describe to describe for listeners uh, first who you are, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit about your background, mm -hmm. and how you ended up living here in Nagoya mm -hmm. uh, for this, it's, it's a one year period, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So from April of last year uh, for up until, or, or for the next, I guess, month and a half. A month and a bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my name is Kai and I was actually born and raised in Canada in mm. Toronto. Yeah. And my parents actually uh, grew up in Osaka and they decided to... Best city in Japan. <laughs> just to randomly go to another country. And one yeah. of my um, uncle was living in Montreal at the time. And they visited and they really liked uh, Canada. So they started living there. And that's how I was born and raised in Toronto for my last past 20-something years. Yeah. And I was... I grew up with my parents teaching me uh, Japanese, so mm. my first language is Japanese, but more so my second language is English. Right. And most of my majority of my friends were Japanese as well uh, until I grew up until maybe I was ten or nine, and so that's why my Japanese is actually very fluent. Right. And it's pretty native, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I attended a Japanese school um, every Saturday from 9 to uh, 4 p.m. every Saturday, every single week. And wow. that's how I kind of polished my Japanese as well. Yeah. And as I started going to university and started thinking about, okay, what kind of job I wanted to do, mm. um, I really started thinking about, okay, what what kind of strength or what kind of purpose do I have? Mm. And um, I thought I'll work for a Japanese company located sure. in Toronto. And I started working for a kind of a Japanese, traditional Japanese trading company related to energy management. Right. And I started doing a new business development there. And um, I got the opportunity to work in Japan in Nagoya for mm. a year, like you mentioned, mm. uh, starting last year of April right. for uh, until this year in April. Yeah. And that's how I'm here in Nagoya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'd like to get into your experiences living in Japan for the last 12 months a little later, but mm. I'd like to go back one step further. What you mentioned about the Japanese school interested me. Mm. Is there a large Japanese community in Toronto? There was originally a. I, th I think it's a pretty big community. Um, really? I think the most Jap uh, the largest Japanese community in probably in North America is probably in Vancouver and in LA. Yeah. And then I think it's quite. Uh, it's it's about the third size in North America in Toronto. So there is a lot of Japanese people that come to Canada to work for about maybe four to three years. Right. Right. And they would return, and a lot of the. Friends that I made were only there about four to three years, and they would return to Japan. So, right. but it gave me a lot of opportunity to speak to number mm. of Japanese people when I attended there. So, yeah, um, that's how I got to really understand the Japanese culture through my friends, I guess. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, through your friends, and then also at home as well, right? Yes, your, that's right. Your first language is Japanese. Yeah. You said, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's interesting. So you're you're raised in. Uh, well, to, I guess you could say, well, you were raised to Japanese immigrants in, mm -hmm. in Canada. Yeah. In, in Japan, they don't like the word immigrant, but 
the truth of the matter is, yeah, yeah. They, they moved from Japan. And I'm surprised that your parents just picked up and, and left. And, yeah, it's, and, and they've settled down too. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they, my, my my father actually mentions it to me still mm. that he wasn't he he wasn't really good at English at all. Mm. More more so, I think my mother was better at English at the time. Yeah. But then when they started, uh, I, I guess when they started working in Japan, they start to realize that this wasn't what they really wanted, mm. and they liked the culture that they saw in Canada, and they wanted to raise a family. In right. Toronto, right, and that's how they just packed up two suitcases, no place to work, no place to live, and just left. That's and incredible. That's how they started living there, and it's, yeah. and I I think it was the, one of their best decisions, I guess, mm. to just to leave there and start a new life there. So, um, and they have, uh, you know, at the time when they start uh, working there in Toronto, mm. the first job that my father got was writing a manga. For a mm. Japanese newspaper, like a local Japanese newspaper oh, okay. in Toronto, okay. and so he would just write mangas for like a living. <laughs> and, right. and often, I guess my grandparents would no call and experience. say, "Yeah, no prior experience <laughs> whatsoever." <laughs> yeah. And my grandparents would call them and say, "What? Is, what? Is, what kind of job are you doing? <laughs> You're writing manga. What are you doing <laughs> in Canada? Like, yeah. are you okay? Are you making a living?" And, yeah. You know, it's just, uh, but you know. He landed a job at a Japanese company later mm. on, and he started really polishing his English. And he had an engineering degree as well, so I guess uh, in in Japan. In Japan, or he got, yeah. oh okay. But then he kind of uses similar skills, I guess, in right. Canada, and then it kind of just took off, I guess. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very impressive. Mm -hmm. And you said they they liked what they saw in Canada. They had no necessarily like prior connection to Canada. Or yeah, it's just my uncle was there. And you my, mean, yeah, yeah, and my parents, my mother's uh, cousins were all Japanese Canadian as mm. well. But that was the only connection. They were living in Montreal at that time. No one lived in Toronto, and yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> no. That's interesting because I've I talked to a lot of uh, Japanese people, especially young Japanese people, yeah, and uh, about where they want to go or if they want to study abroad. And a lot of people mm. say Canada actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I ask them why, and they say it's like the safe version of the United States. Yes. <laughs> <Is> that, right? <laughs> it's just such a random rationale for why they would want to, yeah. to you know, go so far and move abroad. Like, t Toronto is an, it's an amazing cosmopolitan city. Yeah. And like, no, 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 no one is looking at that. These The young Japanese people, at least that who I'm talking to, mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, uh, it's like America. It's just they don't have guns. Like, <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's incredibly impressive. Yeah, I would mm -hmm. I would love to you know maybe have a conversation with your parents someday mm. as, you know for someone who has yes, essentially right. done the opposite yeah. <laughs> um, who's essentially done the opposite I'm sure they have some some advice or some yeah, yeah. some experiences mm -hmm. to share mm -hmm. uh, but anyway so let's fast forward then uh, up to the present day mm -hmm. uh, you you came to Japan you've been working here uh, in Nagoya for now Ten months or so. Yes, mm -hmm. you were raised in a household where English, or I'm sorry, where Japanese was the first language. Mm -hmm. You went to school with Japanese people. You were familiar with the culture. Yes. Well, well that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> See, this is what I wanted to get. Yeah. yeah. So you came to Japan. Mm -hmm. Did you experience any culture shock? And and could you describe that? Yeah. So I have been in Japan. Uh, for vacation, and mm. it's not like it was my first time in Japan. Right. But then I guess uh, uh, the the life as a tourist and the life as a, a working businessman mm. in Japan was totally different, and it was uh, beyond what I have imagined uh, at the time when I uh, came. And 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 I think the first um, uh, kind of the area that I thought it was very difficult. Mm. was more so on the manner of uh, working and also treating um, others outside of work as well was very structured mm. and there was a lot of <laughs> levels to how you would uh, communicate with other people right. and specifically I guess in a business case or mm. in a scenario mm. um, it's it's not so much of an age but 
how much experience you have at that certain company or department right. and on and uh, I guess at a business uh, dinner or lunch as well right there was a lot of um, rules I guess that you would have to follow yeah um, that the youngest person needs to always make sure that everybody has a drink right and <laughs> you cannot go to the washroom uh, when you're eating together yeah um, and I guess there was just a lot of strict strict rules or maybe not so strict in certain departments, but specific rules that everybody had to follow. Mm. And it was very, very uh, difficult for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially when you have alcohol inside your system that you, you, you know, you just tend to get... Uh, Forget get a little relaxed. Yeah, get a little too relaxed. And then I <laughs> go into my Canadian culture, I guess, and just yeah, yeah. think about my own drink. And <laughs> yeah, and so forth. But um, what also surprised me as well was that outside of company, mm. for example, I love playing basketball, mm. and I started applying to a community basketball team. Yeah, where they just kind of pick have basketball pickup games. Yeah, and. When Within I, the company, or no, also just to, totally just random yeah. people, okay. and they would come from certain areas, and uh, uh, there would be students in university, mm. people that have been working, and so forth. Right. And, and even within that community of basketball, there was a level level of um, experience, and mm. that determined who you are and how you should act within yeah. that community, <laughs> which yeah. is very. Uh, Odd for me because right. when you would go to a pickup game in YMCA right. in in US or in Canada, right. it's just pickup game, right? It doesn't yeah. matter who you are or how much experience you have, but it's just you're there to play sports. Mm. But it was there was more to that in that community, and right? It was really uh, interesting and also odd and felt a little bit awkward at times, but. Yeah. <laughs> It was, I guess, that have taught me how um, a Japanese culture really is outside of company. Uh, mm. It's just one of the lifestyle, I guess, of the Japanese community or society. So that was a really interesting point for me. Yeah. <laughs> have you committed any serious like social faux pas in your 10 months here? Have you done anything that's uh, led you to be scolded or... No, not specifically. Shame, well, shamed your boss <laughs> or something like that. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. That, that never happened. Um, yeah. Well, my coworkers are very nice and they understand that I come from a Canadian culture. So, mm. um, but I think it was really difficult for them to adjust because I can speak fluent Japanese and I understand the basic culture. But right. at times I wouldn't understand what specific um, traditions meant. Mm. Or, and I would ask them what this would mean. And they wouldn't really be able to explain to me why they do that. And I think that was a really mm. um, interesting part of the Japanese culture that um, uh, that exists, I guess, um, mm. e even for the religion side and also just the tradition of going to otera, like the temples or shrines. Right. It's just they do it. Right. And sometimes they don't really understand why they do it. Right. So I think it was uh, the one of the uh, important things that I've learned living in Japan that yeah. I think will be a great advice for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Is to always ask why they do that mm. and always Google or um, <laughs> search why they do that right. and teach them why they do that. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really important factor for uh, Japanese people so that they can understand the Japanese culture even more and they can explain it to foreigners on why they do that because I guess one of the other important thing that I've learned about Japanese culture is that um, they tend to express emotions and, and information uh, without actually saying it right um, right and you really have to live <laughs> to be able to really understand what why they do that. But, right. Um, it's a high context culture, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just that you just need to understand them without actually having that word for word communication. Right. And I think that's why a lot of non-Japanese people um, have difficulties living in Japan. Mm. Um, 
I think you're, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right yeah. about that. Yeah. You got you got right to the heart of actually what I think is a is a huge uh, issue moving forward for foreigners who are going to work in Japan, foreigners who are going to start living, residing in Japan, is that there are lots of unwritten rules yeah. in mm-hmm. Japanese society. Uh, there are <coughs> lots of traditions, like you said, that are handed down mm-hmm. that people respect. Mm-hmm. Because they've been, you know, uh, practiced, you know, uh, f- since they're, you know, they're, they, they probably can't even tell you when they, when they, those <laughs> traditions started, right? But yeah. they don't, they don't actually, they, they don't place specific importance on the tradition for uh, the behavior, mm-hmm. right? But they, they value the tradition for being a tradition, and that's why mm-hmm. when you ask them. Why is it that you do this? They can't necessarily give you yeah. a, a detailed response for they did it. They just mm-hmm. kind of say, "Well, that's because that's what we do." Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that. But then the problem is, is that doesn't uh, make sense, um, mm-hmm. or that doesn't uh, that can't really be translated then yeah. to a Canadian or an American or a Vietnamese or someone who's coming from a different cultural background. Yeah. Uh, yeah and sure. small issues might be overlooked, or they might be able to say, "Okay." Well then, that that's fine. I'll 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 do my best with that. The mm-hmm. foreigner might, but when it gets to larger issues, uh, potentially things like I don't know, maybe salary or how you would relate to your boss or to your coworkers or things that that can be quite pressing mm-hmm. and have a significant effect on someone's life, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't uh, do much to to settle the foreigners sort of uh, the foreigners. What would you say? Fuan is the only word that comes to mind. Their anxiety, yeah, anxiety or their, right? Yeah, frustration. Their frustration. <laughs> it does, you know, just by saying, well, this, it's Japan and this is what we do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so moving forward and, and for, for companies to sort of solve or, or preemptively, right, mm-hmm. take action on these problems, they're going to have to be able to explain their actions or their rules or their procedures mm-hmm. in a way that will actually come across yeah. <laughs> to foreigners in the future, right? Because yeah. not everyone is going to be, you know, born and raised on Japanese, mm-hmm. on the Japanese language like you, to, to parents who are, you know, from Osaka. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, is, there, is there anything that really sticks out to you that you think uh, is potentially a problem then for, mm. for foreigners who are, or not, not just in the workplace, but in society in general? And things that Japanese people could potentially do better uh, at explaining. You're a, a Canadian, and at least you know, uh, as a, from a, from an American perspective, mm-hmm. um, Canadian society, along with Australian society, are mm-hmm. considered you know the top examples of extremely well integrated, diverse cultures, mm-hmm. right? And cultures that have succeeded in terms of embracing immigration. Mm-hmm. And uh, Japan is just now getting going to to move into its its immigration phase. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there, there are things that Japan can learn from, from Canadian society? Mm-hmm. And, and what do you think that is? I think the first one that comes up to my mind is not being able to speak Japanese fluently mm. often becomes an issue at a workplace, I guess. Yeah. Um, it becomes... It, I guess for the Japanese people, it, it becomes some sort of a barrier for them to uh, be able to share more information with them mm. and share uh, certain uh, ways or culture of that specific company mm. um, becomes a really difficult thing for the for the foreigners mm. to uh, really understand. Yeah, and that I think could be a kind of. Uh, division between the team and I don't think it's a healthy um, situation for any you know team uh, or company so right. um, I, I think in, in Canada and most of the time uh, you would meet people that can't speak English whatsoever mm. or French even so in, in Quebec and in the workplace Yes, in, yeah. in, in workplace mm. or, or if you go to a store, there will be mm. people working there that cannot speak English at R- times. Right. And 
the Canadian culture is to just to understand that there are people that do not speak what you speak. Right. And that's just becomes a norm for a city like Toronto. Right. And often you would find people that are lost or do not do not have, do not know how to get to one place, mm. and they would ask you in a different language. Mm. But you, people try their best to let them know or help them how to get there. Right. And I think that's a really important thing to just to know that there are people that are trying to live and become part of the society that mm. they're trying. And it's just a matter of trying to help them how to get there. Mm. And I think that sort of um, mentality, it, it needs to, I don't think it just suddenly develops, but slowly, mm. um, I think by integrating different kind of people in a workplace and by getting to know where they come from, what their backgrounds are and how they got there just trying to get to know them more about that right. becomes makes it easier for them to understand that um, it's our responsibility as Japanese people to mm. be able to support them mm. because that's how I think Japan will get uh, become a better society and an easier place for foreigners to live in and also enjoy yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. Sure. What are what are some of the things that you think Japan needs to appeal moving mm-hmm. forward? Because you know uh, it's going to face a severe labor shortage moving forward, but mm-hmm. it's not the only East Asian country that's going to go through that. Right. right? China is going to go through the same thing. Korea is also facing the same demographic exigencies. Mm-hmm. So Japan is it's now looking to the outside for the first time in its history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, as, as time goes on, other countries are going to start doing the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And you know, as China continues to develop and Korea and other Southeast Asian nations as well, who's to say that Japan will will be able to attract Mm. Uh, skilled foreign workers or people from the outside to come and, and work in their in their companies and contribute to their economy and benefit from mm-hmm. their from their what is you know uh, an extremely mm-hmm. an extremely comfortable and mm-hmm. wealthy society. What do you think Japan should mm. should point to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Other than just other than just you know being ma- made in Japan because we're we're in an, yes. an age where manufacturing is slowly but surely mm-hmm. becoming less of a focus less of a of a pillar of the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, what can Japan point to in the future to ensure mm-hmm. that foreigners will continue to come and that those in foreigners will then be able to have a stable mm-hmm. uh, a stable life and continue mm-hmm. to develop moving forward. I think. Uh, so far, what I've seen and what others are looking for in foreign countries are the ability to um, choose their lifestyle mm. at a company mm. is probably the most important thing that people look and probably is more important than what they are getting paid, mm. the amount that they're getting paid. And people are really starting to uh, evaluate each company and also in startups and also companies that are trying to become more startup cultures is that to be able to find where they want to stand at that specific moment of their life right. and how they want to contribute to the company mm. and also how they want to contribute to their personal lifestyle. Right. And I think in a lot of the companies in Japan, are they, they choose a company when they start up, um, when they graduate university or college, and they work at that one company for their left, so the left, uh, the rest of their lives, and I think that was a really traditional way of thinking. Yep. And people uh, apply to companies and know that they will work uh, work there for the rest of their lives, but I think they need to understand that people do change, mm. and the companies and how businesses run are changing as well right and i think they need to understand that people come and people do go because not it's not because of of the company but it's more so the level of 
quality of life or what they want to focus personally on their lives right, right. at that specific moment. Right. And I think for uh, I think the uh, the Japanese companies need to appeal that um, they understand that and make uh, make it flexible uh, for them to have make that adjustment mm. and and being uh, being able to give them options I guess mm. on how they want to adjust their work right. uh, load or maybe um, maybe they have a new child and you do need to go home earlier at that specific few years right uh, things do change about you know how people of live course. and work so I think that's the part that they really do need to understand mm. and understand that not all of people are work the same right <laughs> wear right. the same things and work the same way yeah and I think that's part of the most important thing that they need to make a difference in that's that's mm-hmm. interesting um, because that is it's one of the the distinguishing characteristics of Japanese companies right mm-hmm. one of the pillars of Japanese employment is lifetime employment yes right mm-hmm. and it's slowly but surely uh, starting to I don't want to crumble is maybe a strong term yeah but other companies especially young companies mm-hmm. are starting to adopt a more Western style like you said mm-hmm. but I think this is something that's going to it, it's going to t- take a long time yeah. for major corporations mm-hmm. large traditional Japanese companies to start adopting that more flexible mindset yeah. um, providing more flexible options etc you uh, transferred between the, Can- the Canadian office and you're now working here in Nagoya. Mm-hmm. Um, are the work culture cultures similar in between these two countries? Uh, as it is the same, obviously the same company, mm-hmm. right? Do you do you, are the the fundamental sort of principles mm-hmm. uh, for for working in this company the same? Or do you feel like the Canadian branch has taken an approach that adapts more to mm-hmm. that's that's that is better adapted to a Canadian yeah. lifestyle? Mm-hmm. The the latter. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. um, the principle of or the philosophy of the company mm. is exactly the same. Uh, mm. The other uh, branches that I've seen throughout the world as well. Right. So that doesn't change, but I think it's just the culture of that specific office or the team or the department mm. is different. Yeah. Um, and I think that culture is made by just people. Right. And not so much of the company's philosophy or the way of uh, the business model or the business itself, but it's just the people. Mm. So I think that's what that makes it a really big difference or a big adjustment that I needed to make. Mm. From going to that Canadian branch to the headquarter here in Japan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, moving back to to Canada mm-hmm. in two months, are you excited about that, or are <laughs> you have you you know you've lived here ten months and have just gotten used to it, and now mm-hmm. you're ready to you know you're on the Japanese work schedule and you're ready to do your your Sarariman yeah. thing for the rest of your life. Yeah. Where do, where do you stand there? <laughs> I think uh, I have thought about, you know, maybe I could stay in Japan for maybe a few more years mm, to work mm. here. But um, I, I'm maybe half and half. I want to go back and I also do want to stay here. Mm. And the point of my life right now, um, I do want to commit majority of my time in working mm. and that's why I really enjoy and I think I have thrived a lot more than the Canadian branch than here um, that's interesting yeah mm. so that's why I say that a lot of you know people do grow and people do change and the point of my life right now I want to commit to the company I want to commit to what I'm doing at work and it has been it's been a terrific experience for me working in Japan because there's so many uh, actually the Japanese culture that really I, I my parents did tell me that working at a mm. Japanese company they train you really well as a new employee or mm. a new a student that just came out of uh, university and they have my, my team and my department has really 
uh, supported me and have taught me the Japanese culture mm. and also the work itself mm. and the the business know-hows that um, mm. uh, that I need to develop and I think a lot of the, the the big difference between Japanese companies and Canadian companies or Western companies I guess mm. is that Japanese companies they understand that you are coming out of university and that you do not know anything right <laughs> and they really understand that and they have a lot of programs and and uh, kind of teaching culture that sure. they go through sure and they have on-the-job trainees right for all the employees that come to the company right and they make sure that you do have that development schedule um, and you're on track on wherever whatever goal or uh, uh, specific job position that you want to go to mm. and I think that makes a big difference in the Western culture where it's more so it's your personal development that you need right. to do on your own time right. you need to have make specific goals and you need to do certain you have to take certain college or university degrees to be at a certain position and right, you have to right. kind of develop that on your own mm. and you change from jobs to job uh, to be able to make that kind of escalation but right because in a, skills. Yeah. yeah but in a Japanese company like like I said before yeah. you work for the same company for the rest of your life yeah so the company do really support you on that personal development and that makes a yeah. huge difference yeah well there's no doubt that the company experience in Japan and the meaning of sort of companies to each employee mm -hmm. I think it's it's fundamentally different from mm -hmm. from the Western lifestyle and uh, because of that people in Japan are much more dependent on their that original employer right yeah. because that employer is going to see them through from when they're making nothing mm -hmm. as as fresh college graduates to when they've now moved up and are managers and mm -hmm. this and that and everything it's it's the the model is uh, while it is unique to Japan it's mm -hmm. what supported them through the the Japanese economic miracle right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now I people would then say well what has it done for them in the last 25 years after the after the bubble burst and their economy has stagnated further so right. people who want to push back there I certainly understand I I certainly understand that argument mm -hmm. but there are certainly there are plenty of merits to the Japanese system mm -hmm. right yeah um, and as I as I just mentioned earlier some of them are the stability right mm -hmm. and they they do they spend a lot of time training mm -hmm. and focusing on human resource development right yeah and yeah another point that I've noticed is really mm -hmm. interesting is that there you know in in Western companies you would usually apply to a specific position right and you would do that uh, job description at right. that specific uh, job right but in Japan people change from one department to another department within the four to five years of span right and it's a completely different industry that they would have to work for. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter what you had before it doesn't matter what kind of university degree you had before yeah you are just thrown into that uh, industry and you have to teach yourself and you have to learn from others yeah and I think that's a really uh, difficult thing for employees to overcome but mm. at the same time it's really risk resistant Mm. for the company because that also means that if the company has to make a sudden change in direction yeah. the whole company moves together right because people are able to adjust to that new they're more adaptable uh, yeah mm. they're adaptable That's and I think mm. it comes from um, the mentality that uh, there are a lot of natural hazards in Japan mm. and they are really even in in, in uh, an office building. They're really uh, they have a lot of models or not models. Um, uh, I guess if there's an earthquake, if there's a typhoon, right, right. They they have risk management teams that are specifically for mm, natural mm, hazards, right, right. And each company would have that, and I think that kind of culture mm. of being able to adapt to sudden change right. is reflected on that kind of company uh, human resources department as well. 
That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the. I saw that link as really? soon as I came because. That's interesting. Yeah. I, 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 the idea of being able to adapt to to sudden change historically, if you you know you look at the history of Japan, you can see certain instances where they've mm-hmm. they've they have done one eighties, right? Yeah. And uh, and so that that certainly makes sense. The idea of living in a in a highly changing quite volatile yeah. island environment, right? It, yeah, it's, I think there, I think what you just said, there's probably something to say for that. And yeah. those two, <laughs> those psychologies are probably linked yeah. to a certain extent. Now, on the, the flip side of that coin, mm-hmm. right, uh, what the, the Western manager or CEO would say mm-hmm. is that we hire, to, we hire for speciality, mm-hmm. right? We hire for specialty, for expertise, and yes. that way we can, uh, we can, get the most out of those employees, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they will be able to contribute to the, to the growth of the company into their projects and teams, mm-hmm. more so than working as generalists, Yes. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is your experience? And did you enter the company in Canada as a generalist or were you hired more based on special, uh, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. like academic background? Yeah. Well, certainly I was, um, and back in Canada, I was hired as a specialist mm. in new okay. business development. Right. And so I have loved what I do, and I love what I do here in Japan. So, but within my team, there mm. are other people that have applied or have thought they would be doing a different thing when they have applied when they graduate from university. Is that right? Yeah, and there are many people that were just... They were told to go to another department, right? And they will be doing something else, mm. completely different in another industry, right? That is not relevant whatsoever to their and, background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it's a. I I do see a lot of people that are having difficulties making that adjustment mm. on a personal level. That's and interesting. Yeah. That's uh, I think it it. You know, I think each, this is my personal opinion, but yeah, I yeah. think each employee or each person have strengths and weaknesses, sure. obviously. Sure. And I think that having that job description or being able to say that this is my strength right. and I want to do this type of work for the rest of my life right. is maybe better in terms of life of quality mm. rather than being thrown into another position or another department that has nothing to do with what you have done or have applied for. Right, right. And I think that makes a huge toll mm. on an individual level Yeah, because it makes it difficult for them if they are thrown into a department that is your weakness. Right, right. And you have to suffer suffer through that I guess for sure. four to five years maybe right and maybe you can go back to another department that you came from but mm. um, I think I say it would be a good experience for the individual as a company but um, on a personal level I think I have seen a lot of tolls mm. on, uh, on a personal level I so, see um, just changing the focus a little bit mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier um, about Adjusting to Japanese business manners, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're pretty much famous throughout the world for having a very unique business culture here in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was one of the things that even for someone, you know, uh, born and raised to Japanese parents who speaks the language fluently, this was something that you had to struggle with when you first came here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, could, I certainly understand that. One other thing that, that interests me, and if... You're a little uncomfortable talking about this. It's totally. It's just mm-hmm. let me know. Is you obviously you look Japanese, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> yes. Right. But you know your accent is you're mm-hmm. you're obviously Western and you, your your cultural your cultural background and the mm-hmm. way that you interact with people. Right. There's nothing about you when when I'm looking at you and talking mm-hmm. to you, right? <laughs> that makes me think that you are Japanese, and I certainly don't interact with you as I would. Mm-hmm you know, Japanese Kai, right? Um, (laughs) However, that might be a little different for the Japanese people in your organization who would maybe, just based on your appearance and your your fluency, think that you 
would understand this naturally. Mm -hmm. How could you not understand this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You look the same as us, you speak the same as us. Mm -hmm. Have you had those little sort of, uh, what would you say, those little moments where communication is maybe seems a little more difficult than it needs to be or, or miscommunication or just feeling a bit lost in translation because mm. they assumed Mm -hmm. That you would, you know, have some sort of prior knowledge or understanding of, of certain, you know, mm -hmm. social manners that you didn't mm -hmm. have growing up in, in Canada? Um, I think uh, on a, for me personally, mm. I have been uh, really lucky enough to be in kind of the position to make the bridge between one country to another country. Mm. So to answer, to answer your question, mm. I've never been in a situation where it has been awkward or difficult to communicate with mm. uh, Japanese people when that's I was good. working in Japan. Yeah, And maybe that's because I speak fluent Japanese and maybe they would see me as Japanese person too, but right. when I speak English, they would see me as a totally different person. Right, right. <laughs> so I was fortunate enough to be able to that be that person to make the bridge between another country to mm. Japan. Are there... And oh, sorry. Yeah, no. So my job position or the job that I was doing in Japan in here, Yeah. and uh, I think there was... There, uh, we communicate with a lot of our uh, international branches mm. and we do a lot of meetings with them as well. Right. And I would see uh, specific situations, I guess, that, um, that a lot of my colleagues would say that, uh, why can't they understand what we're trying to do? Right. And I would see both of the story on one side to another. Right. And I understand what the uh, those frustrations that are coming from the Japanese colleagues, but mm. um, um, I guess it's just a culture again that they they try to. Uh, it's just a culture that um, they they think that other people would understand them without actually saying it. Right. Right. <laughs> And that, that most definitely is the most important uh, part that have kind of made a fracture in between the relationships between mm. um, the different countries. Headquarters and yeah. Yeah, international branches. Yeah. yeah. In Japan, they have, uh, I mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier, but an anmoku no ryokai, mm -hmm. which are unspoken sort of understandings, right, yeah. is how you could translate that into English. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I believe moving forward in what I do at Global Aichi um, and just in, in general thinking about foreigners entering the workplace here in Japan is they need to make those unspoken understandings spoken. They need yeah. to articulate them. Yeah, yeah. and, and they, they have to develop that, that know-how mm -hmm. and they have to be, while it might be uncomfortable for them mm -hmm. because in Japan it's a high context culture, yeah. You know, you you say, you tell someone to do, you know, one and they, they go and do ten for you, different, you know, mm -hmm. all of these different sort of cultural uh, factors are at play here. They might be a little uncomfortable with that, and I understand that. Mm -hmm. But in order to work harmoniously with people from different backgrounds, right, yeah. you have to be able to sort of take that, take mm -hmm. that step. What are some of the... What are some of the takeaways from this, from these, I guess, the year that you've had in Japan? Mm -hmm. Some of the things that you're going to take away back to Canada that you feel are going to be beneficial um, in either business or just life in general from this experience? Mm, some of the key important takeaways. Well, there's yeah. certainly a lot of them. Like in, I, know, I now know how to treat or... Uh, uh, have Japanese traditional dinners or business case dinners. Now. Right, right. <laughs> that certainly I am able to nail it now. Yeah. You know, just to make sure that everybody has drinks and yeah. just before they're done their uh, pint of beer, you have to order. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of uh, scenario, I'm certainly be able to do that. But I think in a workplace or in a business scenario, yeah. Um, the one thing that I couldn't understand before I came to Japan was. Mm. Um, Sometimes I would write a report or uh, update them on the certain 
this is how it's going. Right. And sometimes they, I guess I could see the frustration from the Japanese side that they didn't, they can't, um, they want it more, I guess. Mm. And I think the Japanese culture here is to, to, um, to articulate and to make documents mm. that may not be uh, useful at that specific moment, but it's mm. important for them to be able to manage mm. and to be able to mieruka, which is like just right, to right. Uh, make a table or organize how it's being done. Right. Um, I think uh, that's a really important. Uh, be, uh, that's that's how a professional person needs to be. Um, I think I guess that's the image that they think what uh, being a per, uh, professional person an effective is. Yeah, yeah business person yeah yeah mm -hmm. and that has been a huge uh, uh, notice for me or realization that mm. that's really important mm. and at the time I would make they would tell me to make documents that I think they would probably never use or right. maybe not right. even open <laughs> right right <laughs> but it's important for them yeah. and now I understand why they do that it's because to be able to reduce the risk like I mentioned right and it, it always comes back to that I guess <laughs> yeah it's, yeah that's, it's odd that's yeah yeah but um, it's really important at each of the scenario and now being able to go back to Canada and work, yeah, um, I definitely have uh, received that culture, right? And I now know what the expectations are on on, on how to be a professional, and I, th there are a lot of benefits to be able to um, do that. Sure, sure. Do you uh, think going back to now the branch, you'll be able to? relate with headquarters much better yes. and with with mm -hmm. other yeah subsidiaries as well yeah, definitely knowing where they're coming from yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, it will be a s much smoother communication i know exactly if what they are expecting in terms of what kind of document they want to see and how right. they want to see it right um as long as you have that it's they're okay yeah and, and it's <laughs> I guess a lot of the listeners are going, what do you... <laughs> no, no, I think, uh, well, that's actually very, it's very important. And, and a lot of it is, is you maybe cannot understand it unless you experience it. But yeah. when you do ex experience it, you mm -hmm. will know exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Other people who are already working in Japan or who have worked in Japan will mm -hmm. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I do a lot of work with well specifically personally i'm doing research on on productivity in in japanese companies and they're often compared to western or the american mm -hmm. model right um and there there are merits and demerits for both yeah. right and and mm. one of the the problems that people often get into if i have this conversation with a japanese or with someone an american who does business in japan is that the the bias is so strong that mm -hmm. it gets into an issue of right or right or wrong mm -hmm. right and uh and that's not really the point when mm -hmm. when you are working in a company uh it doesn't you you have all of these different cultures you have all of these different expectations that are that are mixing in together and the most important thing is to be able to organize operations mm -hmm. and procedures in such a way that those involved are able to communicate effectively mm -hmm. and you're then able to accomplish the goal, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And really, it doesn't matter whether you do it in what's considered a Western way or a Japanese way at mm -hmm. the end of the day, right? But it's so important to be able to understand the procedures that are valued and then be able to follow them. And that's why I, it's interesting to me uh, to ask you what you might take back, what you might be able to then, you know, uh, mm implement in the Canadian branch to make mm. life, you know, just a little bit, you know, make make the workplace just a little bit that, you know, that much more efficient, mm. that much more effective. Uh, because at the end of the day, there there is no there's no perfect model, mm. right? And there's always room for improvement. Yeah. And that's why I, I think living outside of your your home nation is extremely important mm -hmm. um why working in different environments why working with people from different backgrounds is extremely important mm -hmm. it's because we're constantly evolving 
right? Yeah. And you take this value or this this perspective mm -hmm. or this 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 habit, this pattern of behavior. If if it's a Japanese person or if it's an Israeli or an Australian, it doesn't matter. If you if that's beneficial to you, you take that, you adapt yeah. it, and you move forward. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, that's that's very interesting to me. Um, one of the the biggest things that I want to get across with the podcast is for mm -hmm. people who do have the experience working in Japan. You work at one of the largest mm -hmm. right, <laughs> corporations um, mm -hmm. here in in Japan, and in that alone is what a, a, a success in itself. Many people mm -hmm. who are you know coming here to study or who want to come here to work would love to be in your position. Mm -hmm. So. To, for someone like you to then share these experiences is, I think, very valuable. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice mm -hmm. that you might want to give to someone who is potentially thinking about coming to Japan to work mm -hmm. or for someone who is studying in, in a Japanese university right now? Mm -hmm. hmm. Advice, the most important advice. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about uh, different si situations or scenarios where yeah. uh, will be very important. But um, mm -hmm. well, like I mentioned before, I guess mm. to be able to ask why things are being do done that way mm -hmm. is probably my biggest advice. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, mm. it's just to be able to ask, always ask. Um, and understand why things are, uh, why you're being treated that way, mm. or why things, why there are rules at specific positions, or even on a community level. Right. Um, trying to understand, trying to make them understand as well, and mm. <laughs> and um, communicate with words on the Japanese culture. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the most important thing. Um, to be able to live in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you feel like I in my uh, experience Japanese people don't ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. they don't want to verbalize or articulate mm -hmm. their emotions or especially, you know, if there's something that they don't understand, they're not quick to necessarily speak yeah. speak out about that, right? Mm -hmm. Um and there are a million reasons why someone yeah, might right. want not want to speak out, but so for, for foreigners who have maybe adapted to Japanese society and they're in that workplace, mm -hmm. they might find it difficult mm -hmm. to then speak out and ask those questions. Mm -hmm. You believe that that is, however, I crucially th important. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's a, a wall that needs to be broken that's, by yeah. Japanese people as well. Yeah. They, they think that wall right. is a beauty. Right. And that's their culture. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you don't necessarily have to break it, but you have to leap over it and right. go to the other side. Right, right. <laughs> and and it's yeah, it's just uh, it's odd. A lot of people may not understand that it's part of the art or or beauty, but mm. not not being able to not uh, saying or articulate what you think is a beauty right. in Japan. Right, right, and. And when you go to traditional Japanese cultural areas, a lot of things aren't explained on why they're that way. Yeah. <laughs> they try to communicate using Visually. as few as few <laughs> words as possible. Yeah, that's they, right. yeah. It's more like minimalistic or absolutely. Yeah, um, that's the beauty for them. Right. And just being able to be in that uh, place, smell it, see it, mm. hear it. Mm. Um, that's the beauty in Japanese culture. So, right. and I think that is reflected on how people are communicating. Mm. So I don't think necessarily you need to break that wall, right. but people need to go over and leap to the other side and see how it's like and make a bridge between that. So yeah, well, per perhaps. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And no, no, no. That's why I think mm. foreigners need to make that jump over the wall as well. Right. And maybe Help the Japanese, Japanese people. Yeah, maybe yeah. drag them to the other side. Right. right? right. And make that verbal communication. Um, I think that's 
probably the most important thing to understand Japanese culture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good deal, man. Anything else you want to add? That seems like a good place to maybe close up. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. Yeah? It's been, it's, yeah, thank you so much for... Oh, no, it's, it's my pleasure, it's my pleasure. Um, do you have, like, Facebook or Instagram in case anyone wants to contact you? Or uh, is there a way to find you on social media? No, not really. I don't really not do really. social media. So. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a healthy choice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks again. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, so we've got some some wine here that is ready to be opened. Perfect. So, yeah. Great. All right. Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you.